Welcome to The Activist Files, the Center for Constitutional Rights podcast. I'm Aliyah Hussein, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian Head. Hey, Ian. Hey, Aliyah. We're so excited to have you all join us for our very first episode. On The Activist Files, we'll feature stories of the activists, storytellers, and lawyers on the front lines fighting for justice. As we focus on social justice struggles affecting our movements and communities, we also want to share the stories of the compassion, hope, and humor that infuse and shape the work of all of our guests. On this episode, I speak with prominent immigrant rights activists and great friends of mine, Ravi Ragbir and Amy Gottlieb, about their fight to keep Ravi here in the face of deportation and what keeps them inspired. Afterwards, we'll wrap up the episode with a short segment from CCR Executive Director Vince Warren. But first, a roundup of some of the headlines here at CCR. In a landmark decision, a federal jury in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, found the former president of Bolivia and his minister of defense responsible for extrajudicial killings carried out by the Bolivian military. The decision comes after a 10-year legal battle spearheaded by family members of eight people killed in what is known in Bolivia as the, quote, gas war. The case marked the first time in history a former head of state sat before his accusers in a U.S. human rights trial. The jury awarded a total of $10 million to the plaintiffs in the case. A group of Muslim-owned businesses, mosques, individuals, and student groups reached a settlement agreement with the New York City Police Department in Hassan v. City of New York, a federal lawsuit challenging the suspicionless, discriminatory surveillance of Muslims in New Jersey. Together with Muslim advocates in the law firm Gibbons PC, CCR has been representing our brave clients since 2012. This settlement amplifies the message that desperately needs to be heard in Washington right now. Muslim communities will stand up for their right to live with dignity and to be free from discrimination and targeting. CCR and Color of Change are suing the Department of Homeland Security to release the contents of a secret document referred to as the, quote, race paper. Many of the documents we've already received from DHS and the FBI in our Freedom of Information Act litigation confirm that the government has been surveilling and targeting black political speech and protests throughout the country. The public deserves to know what's in the race paper. CCR has joined the groundswell of opposition to Trump's nomination of Gina Haspel as CIA director because of her direct role in the Bush-era CIA torture program. This appointment is a perfect example of why accountability for torture is so necessary. CCR Executive Director Vince Warren puts it perfectly in his recent op-ed with The Guardian. Gina Haspel should be arrested, not put in charge of the CIA. Finally, we're excited to support the We Have Rights Immigrant Empowerment Campaign. Our friends at the Brooklyn Defender Services and the American Civil Liberties Union recently launched a series of animated videos that provide tips for how to safely defend the legal rights of immigrants in four common encounters with ICE, at the door, inside homes, stops on the street, and after arrests. The videos are in seven languages, and there's an all-star group of social influencers and activist narrators. Please watch and share the videos, which you can find along with related materials on wehaverights.us. It was great to be able to sit down with my friends Ravi Ragbir and Amy Gottlieb for this episode. Ravi is the executive director of the New Sanctuary Coalition here in New York, and Amy is an associate regional director for the American Friends Service Committee. They met through their immigrant rights work and have been married since 2010. Ravi has been fighting his own deportation order since 2006, and I've been personally serving on his defense committee for the past few years. Ravi and Amy's story has most recently received widespread attention after Ravi was detained by ICE following a regularly scheduled check-in 
in January. He was held for deportation in Miami and then upstate New York before the outcry by allies and pending legal case forced his release. But as the Trump administration continues its immigration crackdown, including the targeting of prominent immigrant rights leaders like Ravi, their situation is more precarious than ever. Thank you for being our first guest on the Activist Files, CCR's podcast. The most recent check-in with ICE, it's been moved again. And this isn't the first time, obviously, that things have been moved or postponed, whether it's at the last minute, a week before, a day before. I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what coping mechanisms you have for dealing with this kind of state repression that's just kind of hanging over constantly? So, yes, and I have been dealing with this situation for a long time, Yeah, um, since 2000, actually, when, in 1999, when I was the first arrested. So this has been over my head. Uh, I agree, this is what you have to do. You have to take it one day at a time, you know, um, Making plans are practically impossible. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, well, can you speak here? I said, I would like to say yes, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The other thing, though, is the community support makes a huge difference. And right now, we are not the only ones feeling this. Mm-hmm. Everyone has been living this with us. Because they are putting on their calendar, okay, March 16th. Okay, I'm ready here. Mm-hmm. Boy, it changed again. Damn, right? Mm-hmm. When is the next day? They put it down. They have to re- reschedule and then replan the 16. So it is um, not the only, we are not the only one feeling this. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there are a lot of people who have been tied to us and are now actually living this experience with us. So, mm-hmm. And that has, been, um, that has been good because they need to understand how immigrants are living without uncertainty of not knowing what is going to happen tomorrow. My own coping mechanism has been to really just live one day at a time. You know, people ask me all the time, what are you going to do if Ravi really gets deported? Or, you know, what are you going to do? What are your plans? And I don't make plans. I'm not going to make plans. I'm going to just live every day live every moment, try to remember to breathe. I haven't been so good at that lately. Um, You know, and some days are better than others. Some days I feel so much kind of peace and love, and um, that is also what helps me move forward every day. We have this extraordinary community, which you are part of, um, and we're so grateful. Uh, But every single person who's been with us for many, many years through this, and then people who've joined us recently and people who've begun to kind of just really understand what's happening. I mean, that, that outrage that people are feeling because we've been able to tell our story, um, I think has moved folks into a new direction. And that also keeps me going. Um, I don't, I don't have the good, like, well, I go swimming or I go running or take care of myself or any of those strategies that some people are able to use. Um, but I think we, we try to stick to our, routine as much as possible, try to support each other as much as possible, and just know that we're going to wake up the next morning. Mm -hmm. There's been, I mean, I think a a good amount of coverage, especially, you know, after January, but through through today, you know, really powerful pieces, including Amy, your piece um, in the New York Times. Um, But do you feel like there's anything that in between all the coverage and the talking heads and everything, do you think that there's anything that, that hasn't been covered that, that needs to be out there? 
I think there's been a lot of really wonderful coverage. I read a draft op-ed that a friend of mine wrote yesterday, where she had done a tour of a detention center, and she just sort of went story by story, telling people who she met in the detention center. And I think that some sort of massive, comprehensive piece um, that could really say that, you know, that how long people are spending in detention and, and really break out how much pain it causes. Because I don't, we get little tidbits here and there. I mean, you know, Robbie can tell you when he was in, in Chrome or in Orange County, the numbers of people he met who had so little support, so little information, we're giving up, we're so frustrated. Um, and, you know, Robbie went in and was able to kind of help them and give them information. But I, I feel like sort of getting those stories out to the world. And, you know, I've been working on immigration detention issues for over 20 years, and I don't think any of us have been able to really tell the story in a way that has has had an impact that has, you know, really been able to make this change. You know, what we see now is an increase in detention. We see an increase in funding for detention. We see members of Congress totally folding to lobbyists who are trying to make more money mm-hmm off of their private contracts. And yet, we are locking up thousands and thousands and thousands of people every day who are people who are part of our communities, who have families, who have stories, who are loved, who have, you know, should be able to be out. And and I don't know that we've even been able to tell that story. So we, we what we have to, what we need to be looking at is the way ICE has been changing the messaging. Um, before it would, it, it still is about protecting the nation, right? National security threat, but now it's about the threat to their officers. So um, you know, we have to look. We we have to pick people up in this way because we are afraid for the safety of officers. That's one aspect. But the other aspect is that the community itself is saying, "We don't want you here," right? California is saying, "We don't want you here." And um, so it is, you cannot is it a threat to community now because the community is saying, well, that's not a problem. That we we are not seeing a problem here. So you um, you can you cannot use that. And they are seeing this and and part of the the the, the um, justification of their action is where we have to worry about the safety of our officers, not the fact that the community itself is saying. You don't need to be here. One thing I wanted to ask you guys about was at the recent, uh, I can't say you spoke, you preached at Judson, and then you also preached, uh, what was the other church you? Back Avenue Church, Christian Church. Something you you spoke about was what, getting people involved, kind of challenging everyone to be involved. Um, what would uh, you and Amy say as far as how CCR staff or anyone who's listening to this podcast, how should they be involved? So there are a number of ways for people to plug in. One, obviously, is to come to the New Sanctuary um, to, to find out um, the, the concrete steps. So, you know, one of, what we have done recently is not just say, um, sit down in a meeting and we talk about how bad it is and, you know, the, the, in, the oppression and all. You know, it is not about that. It is literally, um, these are the things you need to do uh, to, to counter the problem we are facing. Um, 
we have a, an accompaniment program where we partner U.S. citizens with non-citizens who have to interact with immigration. We have a clinic where we have volunteers sit down. You don't have to be a lawyer, but they sit down with someone and have them navigate the forms and um, that they have to submit to court so it, it, it is prepared properly. Right? Um, we, have, um, they, they have, we have instances where we have to, to accompany people to, to court, to criminal court, because ICE is picking people up there now. Um, so there are many um, different ways that we, 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 they can get involved, including um, talking in their own block, right? In their own block, once they've been trained by New Sanctuary, that they could walk around the block and say, okay, this is the issue and this is what you can do. And that is what you call Sanctuary Hood. And, and, and anyone can do that. Or, simply, if you're working or you're working long hours or on Saturday on the weekend, you can make a phone call. A phone call doesn't take more than two minutes. If, we send a, uh, if you sign up for our email list, and like when I was taken in, people call immigration. So that call makes a difference. That calls let them know um, that people are watching. So for people, you know, who can't make it to New York or, you know, are not mobile, things like writing letters to the editor, there are great projects out there where anytime there's a letter, an article about immigration in a local paper, people immediately mobilize to get as many letters to the editor as possible about that issue with a positive spin on immigration so that even if they don't all get published, the editors are hearing that the community wants positive stories about immigration. And there's templates out there. And I think that's a really good kind of local media strategy mm -hmm. that gets a different voice out there because the articles are often really negative. They're often repeating those those really dark messages that Ravi was mentioning that ICE is using to kind of act like the community is out there terrorizing ICE when it's actually the opposite. So any way that we can find to get that message out into the community, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. Even writing the, um, setting up teams to write letters to in detainees. Right? I mean, when people are inside and they don't have much contact to anyone outside, um, maybe because their family is undocumented also, I'm writing a letter to someone um, keeps them sane. Mm -hmm. And that's another simple thing that people can do. Um, so. Um, I, I, that's a, those are some really simple things that anyone can do. I have one kind of final personal question. Hopefully it's not too personal. I, being on the defense, on your defense committee since I think it was 2012, um, and just being your friend and working with you on a bunch of different projects and then knowing you, Amy, and, uh, it's just, it's very inspiring to see both of you together in this, you know, in this battle. And um, um, I was wondering if maybe each of you could say something uh, that you admire about the other person. You're going to make me start. I knew he was going to do that. Well, I can start. Okay, so um, one of the things I love about Amy is the fact that she is smart um, and really, um, oh, uh, very, for want of a better word, analytical. Where she can, you could. It's not. A, it's not about the emotional aspect of the situation, but about okay, what what is the situation? It's thinking through the situation in a very critical way to come up with a solution. And uh, it's not always. And she's a lawyer. Unfortunately, uh, that's a joke. <laughs> but 
Um, the fact is that it is not about a legal aspect only, and haven't she recognizes that? So it, we, you know, we can have a dialogue or we can have a discussion that involves the, the everyone, um, on whoever you are, um, whatever you do, um, you can make, you can contribute to to moving the discussion forward. What that you don't like that? That's like so dry and boring. <laughs> Right? Well, let me hear what you have to say. I was going to say that uh, what I admire about Ravi and what inspires me about Ravi is his endless creativity, his passion, his his power. Uh, power in the sense of sort of being able to, to go through this every day, to be targeted, to be, you know, this, this victim of state oppression, but yet still smile, still bring a spirit of humor, still be able to have conversations about what we need to do and what we need to change. And, you know, kind of deflecting it from himself sometimes to the larger movement. All those things are things that I admire about Ravi and things that inspire me. And, um, you know, that we can find time just together to kind of appreciate our community, our space, and the things that we share that we like to do. Well, I did say something similar, so I don't see what's the difference. <laughs> uh, but I will also say, okay, I will add something else if you... Yeah, whatever you want to do. I know it's an awkward question to end the interview on. Right. Well, it's a the, lovely question. The, 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 that she is not afraid. You know, um, we're not talking about immigration, but you know, let's 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 have an adventure. Uh, let's go to, to to somewhere in a new space, new place, and let's explore that place. And you know, it, it is that um, um, uh, exploratory, pioneering spirit or the exploratory aspect, um, as spirit that is really very um, very wonderful. Um, you know, even going to a new restaurant. I, I, if she doesn't take me to a restaurant, I will not go to a restaurant. <laughs> so so it, it's, it is really, it has been a good partnership. Like, I want to do something and she just makes it happen because mm -hmm. it is, uh, I, for a number of reasons, but you know, she, it has been very good for me to, to be with her and to, to um, so I know I have a partner in this and that she's there for me, with me and by myself. So we're here for our last segment of our very first episode of The Activist Files. Uh, it's called Real AF. So I'm here with CCR Executive Director Vince Warren. Hi, Vince. Hey, how you doing, Aaliyah? Good. Um, we're really excited to close out our very first podcast episode. Um, so thanks for joining us. And I have a few questions for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vince. Um, would you rather live for a week in the past or the future? Definitely the future. Um, mostly because I'm, I'm really excited about all of the activism and the possibility. And what we're doing here is we're trying to build the world that we want. So I'm kind of anxious to see what it looks like when we get there. Uh, would you rather live in Los Angeles or San Francisco? That's a tough question. I'd mostly rather live in a place that's not likely to fall into the sea. 
Um, I would probably say L.A. for the weather and uh, San Francisco for the humans. But do I have to choose? Yeah. Uh, So would you rather? uh, L.A. Don't hate me. Would you rather play drums all day or Instagram photos all day? I would much rather play drums all day. And if you can actually figure out a way for CCR to pull in like a drum job for me, I would gladly relinquish my job as executive director (laughs) and Instagram master. Would you rather never speak again or never stop talking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would rather never stop talking. (laughs) 